0: wherever you may be around the world, and thank you for your company once again on truth to That's truth number 2 you.org I'm Jono, and joining me all the way from Louisiana is my very good friend and co-host of the Tanakh Tour, author of The Moses Scroll. Welcome back, Ross Nichols.
1: Hey, Jono. How are you today? Doing very well.
0: Thank you, my friend. We got another comment, by the way, just quickly. All right. um, thank you, WTL, who left the comment in the previous weeks, also responded to the program that we did based on his comment, and an excellent response it was. Thank you very much for that. And we will be addressing some of the points that he brings up in further programs. And also, we had another comment from Yosef. Excellent comment, uh, Yosef. And there's some questions there, too, that we want to address. It won't be this program, but we will be getting to it. So we really do appreciate your comments. Dear listeners, we'd love to know what you're thinking about this topic of the Moses Scroll. Uh, any questions that you may have and uh, so certainly leave those in the comment section below this post Ross
1: yeah I want to say thanks to those uh, so far those comments that have come in we really do love the comments and just reading through the comments that came in last week we will be getting to some of those like you said Mm. so I'm looking forward to that and we haven't forgotten you but the response to the response might keep us from going as quickly and, and get into this text as much as we'd like to. So hopefully you'll understand, mm-hmm. and thank you. Don't stop leaving the comments. We've got them in front of us. So
0: We've got them in front of us. Now, uh, just a reminder to the listeners, of course, the text that we are dealing with, The Moses Scroll, is found in the back of the book by the name The Moses Scroll. If you don't have the book already, go to themosescroll.com, themosescroll.com, and uh, follow the links to purchase the book in fact there'll be a link under this post and it's available now in Kindle so you can have it immediately so if you want to do right. that you can pause this uh, this podcast right now download it from uh, from Amazon the Kindle version and get straight into it just uh, now we're, we're a few lines in right. uh, but let me read from the beginning just okay. to, to bring people up to speed I'm not gonna do this every program but I'm gonna read from a1 um, just very quickly before I do, Ross, just remind us: A one, A two. How's this divided up again?
1: Okay, it's the divided verses. up into uh, based on the fragments. So we know that fragment A had a certain number of lines, and and what we did is it, this is based on Herman Guta's work, Herman Guta and Edward Meyer in eighteen eighty three. First week of July, we're almost at the anniversary. First week of July, eighteen eighty three. These two German scholars divided the fragments up. They, they labeled them or categorized them A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. And uh, this we're reading today is from fragment A. And we've determined the line length as best we can based upon the notes of Hermann Guta and Edward Meyer. So A1 simply means fragment A, Line one, and we're going to read through about the first seven lines. I'm ready, Jono. Hit it. These are the words which Moses spoke according to the mouth of Jehovah
0: to all the children of Israel in the wilderness across the Jordan from the Aravah. Elohim, our Elohim, spoke to us, saying, spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and set out for yourselves and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the dwellers of the Aravah, in the mountains, in the foothills, and at the coast of the sea. And uh, and there we have a interpunct, and we spoke about that last week. Right. Now we're we're at A4, or the second part of A4, and we set out from—and this is where we're up to—and we set out from Horeb, and we walked all that great and fearful wilderness— Which you saw, and we came to Kadesh Barnea, and I said unto you, You have come today to the hill country of the Amorites. Go up and possess the land, as he spoke unto you. But you were unwilling to go up, and you murmured, and you said, In hatred of us, to exterminate us. And Elohim was angered, and he swore, saying, As I live, Surely all the people who have seen my signs and wonders, which I did these ten times, since they have not listened to my voice, They will not see the good land that I swore to give their fathers, except the little ones, Caleb, the son of Yaphune, and Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you. They will go there, and and I will give it to them. But you turn for yourselves and set out toward the wilderness in the direction of the Sea of Reeds, until the entire generation of the men of the rebellion have completely died off from the midst of the camp. And you dwelt in Kadesh Barnea, until the men of the rebellion had completely died off from the midst of the camp. Wow. All right, Ross, where to begin?
1: I mean, there's so much in what I just read. There is. And I tell you what, if I were a listener, and and I did listen, but if I were a listener listening to this program, my initial thought would be, that sounds real familiar. I mean, what's so Mm -hmm. different about this scroll than what I already knew? I mean, basically what we have is we have... Uh, the initial, just like you have in Deuteronomy, you know, in a broad way, you think, okay, well, these are the words that Moses spoke. He's across the Jordan. That's just like Deuteronomy. Uh, then it gets into this idea that they're leaving Horeb. Uh, they're they're headed to Kadesh Barnea. You know, I mean, these are stories that we know. Now, here's the interesting thing, Jonah, and I'd like you and I to get into this. It's not even that in this particular uh, section of the text, that there's so much so vastly different on the surface. But when Mm. you really dig down, what you see is that there are things that you would expect to find here. Remember, people thought in the 1800s their initial exposure to this manuscript was, oh, this is a vest pocket Deuteronomy or a shortened unorthodox form of Deuteronomy but we're going to see as we go that that's not exactly what it is. Mm. And, and mm. one other point, and then we're going to get into the text. Not only do we see some differences between the, the Moses scroll that we're reading through on this program and the book of Deuteronomy, but there are more differences between Deuteronomy's version of the story and, say, the book of Numbers, which we're going to see today. So let's let's look at sure. some of the differences there. You kick us off wherever you want to. Uh, well, um, I, I was just going to say that just
0: further to what you just said, one of the things that I find absolutely fascinating uh, about this text because because it would be forgiven of someone to come to the conclusion that oh yeah, this is just a pocket version of Deuteronomy. I can mm-hmm. understand how someone would walk mm-hmm. away at a glance uh, of the Moses Scroll and think that's what it is. But when you do get into the uh, really get to to study it and where uh, the Moses Scroll comes up in Deuteronomy and then in various um, uh, other books like Numbers. What is fascinating to me is what is consistently left out, yep, and what is consistently included. That which is in there and that which isn't. There's a. Um, it, it does become very exciting, and you get drawn into it very quickly. Uh, so we set out from Horeb and we walked that great and fearful wilderness. This is an interesting thing as we go forward and we won't get into this now, but as we go forward, we'll eventually get to fragment F. Um, and we won't get to fragment F because fragment F is actually missing from the text. No one was able to discern the only, letters. They only, they,
1: they were only able to discern a few lines as we'll see when we get there. Right. Just a few lines. But, uh, something that I find really interesting here, Ross,
0: um, that great and fearful wilderness, mm-hmm. great and fearful wilderness, uh, appears elsewhere in Deuteronomy and only once elsewhere. And that's in, uh, let me think, I think it's Deuteronomy chapter eight, fifteen. Okay. It talks about the great and fearful wilderness. Um, they're the only two places I think in the, perhaps in the whole of the Tanakh, if I remember correctly. And I thought, Ooh. I wonder if uh, part of fragment F might be found in um, might be represented in Deuteronomy chapter A. We'll get there soon enough. But that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, yep. We came to Kadesh Barnea, and I said to you, you have come today to the hill country of the of the Amorites. Go up and possess the land as he spoke to you. This is Moses saying to the people, hey, and remember, uh, people, that um, dear listeners, that we talked about this in the last couple of programs, um, that... Where God says at Horeb, you have drawn long enough at this mountain, turn and set out for yourselves and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the dwellers in the Aravah the mountains, then the foothills and the coast. So this is God saying, all right, we've arrived. You've got the 10 words. Now is the time for you to move into the land that I am giving you. Right. And it, it, it certainly seems, and it seems to be reiterated through the Moses scroll and also in Deuteronomy that God spoke to them audibly and gave them an order to do that. When they arrived, Moses said, right, okay. We've we've moved from the mountain. We've gone to Kadesh Barnea, set up camp, and let's go into uh, into take the the land. As he spoke to you, the interesting thing about that Ross is as he spoke to you. The phrase as he spoke to you is missing from the Deuteronomy text.
1: Huh? Interesting. Hey, let me let me jump in here, and I want you to explore that a little bit more. Uh, but let me add one thing that I that I wanted to mention when you when you talk about this geography, you know, it mm. turns set out the hill country of the Amorites. It lists Arava, the mountains, the foothills, which is the Hebrew Shephelah, uh, mm. and then <clears throat> the canonical text. Now, if people want to follow along and look at what we have in our Bible, let's say in Deuteronomy chapter one, that's Deuteronomy one six. Can I read that just? Quickly yep. that, okay, so oh, Deuteronomy yeah. 1, 6 and following, the Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb saying, you've stayed here long enough at this mountain. So this is basically the same. Start mm-hmm. out, make your way to the hill country of the Amorites, so far so good, and to all their neighbors in the Aravah, the hill country, the Shephelah, so good so far. Mm-hmm. Then it says in the canonical Deuteronomy, the Negev. Our mm-hmm. text doesn't have the Negev. Right. We don't have the negative. Now, you have to wonder why. Now, one question that I would have people maybe place in their notes, could it be that at the time, maybe they're in the negative? All right, just just a question. And then it says well, that— Well, can, I, can I ask you a question yeah, yeah, about yeah. that? Because because
0: yeah. we, we kind of touched on that a couple of uh, programs ago. Um, we we're fairly certain that we know where Kadesh Banea is, right? Yeah. Okay. And if people go to a map, they'll find that it is below Gaza and it's just on the Egypt side of the border. Is that fair? Is there if I'm going to get sort of a, a yep. vague? Okay. And then uh, the the Shefela is um, uh, sort of further up. It sort of jumps the, the hill country and the Shefela and so on. And the Negev is kind of between, is it fair to say it's kind of between Kadesh Baneah and the Shephelah?
1: Yeah, and some translations might throw people off because what they'll say, Negev is sometimes translated south, or or sometimes mm. in the Bible it uses the Hebrew, Negva, which means uh, it's got a, what we call the Hay Directive. It means southward, it's sometimes translated. But the Negev, you'll look at a map and you can Google this, and you'll see the Negev region is generally uh, sort of a large, deserty region south of these other areas. So, yes. Mm. Yeah. One more point the land of the Canaanites, the Lebanon, As far as the great river, the river Euphrates, so this is sort of an idealistic uh, description of what might be called the greater promised land. This is very similar in some ways, particularly the land of the Canaanites, Lebanon, the great river Euphrates at least reminds me of Genesis fifteen eighteen, right? But that mm-hmm. description is also lacking here in the Moses scroll. It doesn't include those areas. Interesting. Just as a side point, wouldn't you agree? Uh, I would agree. Can I, while we're on that,
0: can yep. I ask you this question? Mm-hmm. Uh, does the uh, Moses scroll ever mention Canaanites?
1: Uh, the Canaanites appear later in the text in uh, GC 10. So that would be okay. fragment g Column C. Not here. That's right. And it's during the blessings and the curses in that section. uh, It says, are they not across the Jordan in the direction of the going down of the sun in the land of the Canaanites opposite Gilgal and so forth? So this is sort of leading us into
0: it. We'll be be there soon enough. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So again, you're you're looking at Deuteronomy chapter one, verses six and seven. Yep. But then we, then we all, all of a sudden, uh, the next part of the Moses Scroll is represented in Deuteronomy chapter one, verses nineteen and twenty. Yes,
1: Ross. and and so let me let's bring up one thing that is observably different between the Moses Scroll and the canonical Deuteronomy. Okay, so if you mm-hmm. look at Deuteronomy. Our Deuteronomy, chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, it says, Thereupon I said to you, I cannot bear the burden of you by myself. And it gets into this idea of setting up Mm -hmm. uh, sort of a... How would you call it? Uh, a way to distribute the leadership responsibility among the people of Israel. Uh, and, and chapter 1 of Deuteronomy, verse 9 through 18, you know, if you look at, let's, let's look at verse 13 and following. Pick from each of your tribes men who are wise, discerning, experienced, and I will appoint them appoint them as your heads. You answered me and said, what you propose to do is good. So I took your tribal leaders, wise and experienced men, appointed them heads over you, chiefs of thousands, hundreds, chiefs of fifties, chiefs of tens, and officials for your tribes. And I charged your magistrates at that time as follows, uh, hear out your fellow man, and so forth. Now, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. This entire section... Uh, is missing from the Moses scroll. But, mm-hmm. but let's take a closer look at the biblical um, account here. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 1, Moses reveals that he is overburdened. He says he he cannot bear this by himself because they've been blessed and multiplied and so forth. Moses reveals here from verse 13 and following that he has an idea to fix this. And he relates to the people, I want you to go select leaders to take on some of that burden. Is that fair? a fair assessment of what we have here?
0: That's, that's what we have here. We absolutely have that in Deuteronomy, yeah.
1: Now, I know that our, our listeners are probably thinking, well, what's the problem with that? And why would that be left out? If we go, Jono, to Exodus chapter 18... We have an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Now, in Exodus chapter 18... Oh, you true. Yeah. Mm. So so let's talk about that for just a moment, because w- would you think that, or does it appear to you, Jono, that Exodus 18 at least bears some resemblance to what we see in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 9 through
0: 18? Yeah, yeah. So here we have uh, the father-in-law of Moses saying, oh, come on, you take too much upon yourself. You need to delegate. Let yep. me tell you how you should delegate, and it'll be a lighter load for you. You need, uh, you know, wiser people to tell tell the less wise
1: people, you know, how to the, conduct themselves. Right. And so you have something very similar. So, for instance, if look at Exodus 18, uh, and just pick up in—you uh, can pick up in 17, and uh, if you want to paraphrase that, but look at verse 21 for sure. Mm-hmm. You shall also seek out from among all the people— capable men who fear God, trustworthy men who spurn ill-gotten gain, set these over them as chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens, and let them judge the people at all times. So Mm. the interesting things in this text, if you compare Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter one, verses nine and following to what we see here in Exodus chapter 18, there are some obvious differences. Here in Mm. Exodus 18, he gets this idea from his father-in-law. Jethro, also known as Ruel, also known as Hovav. And and my question would be, which one is it? Can the two be reconciled, Jonah? Hmm. What do you well, make of it? Well, one answer is that they can be. In other words, what, what we could have here is that in Exodus, this actually happened the way it's described in Exodus 18. And in Deuteronomy 1, perhaps Moses is retelling He leaves out Jethro altogether. Um, But I find it interesting that we have these two different accounts. They don't agree uh, in many details, many respects. Mm -hmm. There are differences. And and so what I find fascinating is that this problem, let's put it in air quotes, this problem has been noted by commentators, Jewish Mm -hmm. and others, for many, many centuries you know, what do we make of this? And and there are a lot of efforts to use apologetics to make sense of this. To make it work. Yeah, to, to, to make it work. What's interesting to me is that the Moses scroll has neither. So It doesn't? It has neither. And, and that's now, what interest, uh, interests me in this particular it, point. It is a fascinating thing
0: that uh, in, in my eyes, Ross, when I read the Moses Scroll, it reads uh, in many ways like a, a libertarian document that it is up to the individual to govern themselves and to conduct themselves in the way that God has put forward to them via the 10 words. What you see consistently, and we will see this as we continue on, and particularly when we get to um, uh, the Moses scroll being represented in Deuteronomy chapter five is that there's a number of key verses mm-hmm. that would put a governing body over men uh, to make their own decisions that are missing, that are not in the Moses scroll, but pop up in Deuteronomy. Yeah. There's a consistent theme, and this is the first of it. And the gap between um, Deuteronomy chapter one, verses uh, six and seven and then to 18 to 20. That which is represented in Deuteronomy is the first, ins- what I'm going to call an insertion of a governing body between man and God. Ross.
1: Or, and you've pointed this out to me, and I think the listeners are going to find this very interesting as we work through the text, and, and you're going to explain more to us as we go along about this libertarian document. And And what does that really mean? Because I've had the advantage of hearing you go through this in detail, but I think it is important that uh, the Moses scroll begins with this journey. You're going to go here. You're going to do that. Go up and possess the land. They are unwilling to do this. Now, you said that in Deuteronomy chapter one, verse 19, that's where Hmm. we start to see, if I'm not mistaken, another similarity with the Moses scroll, uh, That's right. is that right? So, so I That's guess great. if if you want to read, let let's read um, verse nineteen through twenty one of chapter one in Deuteronomy and look at the maybe some differences there.
0: Yeah. So it says uh, we set out. This is Deuteronomy chapter one, verse nineteen. We set out from Horeb and traveled the great and terrible wilderness that you saw along the road to the hill country of the Amorites. So
1: far, so as good, the Lord, by the way. our
0: God had commanded us. Mm-hmm. So far, so good. This is all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we reached Kadesh Barnea, I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving to us. See, now this is where it gets different. See, the Lord your God has placed the land at your disposal. Go up and take possession as the Lord your God of your fathers promised you. Fear not, be not dismayed. I... Uh, As opposed to in in the Moses scroll, where it it says, as he spoke to you, as God spoke audibly to you at Horeb Uh uh, before we left, so you will go and do, Um, that seems to be the primary difference here, Ross.
1: Yeah, and and I think you're right. If you look at it word for word, which we're encouraging our listeners to do, look at the differences between these two, and you'll notice that in in the Moses scroll, if you purchase the book, you'll see the, the text is there, and it's heavily footnoted. So there are some places in this particular uh, manuscript as we're getting to the end of fragment A and moving into B where we do have some gaps. We do have a couple of places where uh, the transcribers were unable to discern exactly what it said in that particular Mm. uh, text. But one thing that I think is interesting is that they are fairly similar, Deuteronomy 1, 19-21, and this section from the Moses Scroll. But then, Deuteronomy adds one other story that is missing in the Moses Scroll, or... Mm-hmm. Uh, that may not be the right way to put it, but it's not present in the Moses scroll.
0: It's not present in the, in the Moses scroll. It's uh, This is uh, it seems to be an addition. So it says, uh, and this and speaking of the gaps, this is a perfect uh, example, A8, verse A8, but you were unwilling to go up, and you murmured, and you said, in hatred of us, to exterminate us, dot, 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 mm-hmm. and Elohim was angered, and he swore, saying, as I live. Now, um with these little gaps here, just tell us about A8. Uh,
1: in A8, where, where we have, uh, I indicate by three dots, what I'm doing there is preserving what the transcription said before me. So if in the Hebrew there was a gap there indicated by the transcriber that, you know, I wasn't sure exactly or I couldn't read it, they would indicate this in a number of ways. And what I tried not to do was supply something which wasn't fairly secure. In other words, if if I didn't see it in the Hebrew, I followed the transcription. And in this case, mm. it, there's a gap there. Uh, and there's there's one other thing that we can touch on in a moment. but But let's look at now what Deuteronomy does, because not only are they, according to Deuteronomy... Not only were they unwilling to go up, which appears to be the case in Deuteronomy, but there mm-hmm. was something else that Deuteronomy else. records. So this is uh, this is probably a fair representation,
0: Deuteronomy 1, verses 26. It says, yet you refused to go up mm-hmm. and flouted the command of the Lord your God. You sulked in your tents and said, it is because the Lord hates us that he brought us out of the land of Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to wipe us out. That's verse 26 and 27. But then it departs, Ross, and it says in Deuteronomy in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 28, what kind of place are we going to? Our kinsmen have taken the heart out of us, saying, we saw there were people stronger and taller than we, large cities, with uh, walls sky high and even anachites.
1: Anachites. What's an anachite, Jono?
0: An anachite is, uh, uh, well, you know what? This is a fascinating thing <laughs> uh, because <laughs> as we were um, studying through this, or as I was studying through this recently, I, I noticed well, uh, the anachites do not exist in the Moses Scroll, they're just not there. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 26, uh, verse 28 rather, is the first of six mentions of the Anakites uh, within five verses in Deuteronomy. They're never mentioned in the Moses scroll at all. They also appear, by the way, in five verses of, of Joshua, nowhere else in the Tanakh. And whenever you think to yourself, well, who were the, um, the Moabites or who were the Edomites or who were the Amorites or who were the... Um, Canaanites or the Hittites or the Hivites or the Jebusites of archaeological evidence and uh, artifacts and and other references in other uh, texts and all this sort of stuff, just a whole lot of stuff. When you come to the Anakites, you get nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing. There's no archaeological evidence. There's no, there's no skeletons. There's, there's absolutely nothing there. Uh, and it would appear that the Anakites were added later as a mythical people, a giant race, a race of giants. Uh, it says, you know, we were like um, uh, grasshoppers, grasshoppers in their eyes. Yeah, and they the were in our, Yeah, giants in our book of numbers. And uh, so the the Anakites are. Um, it really does seem to be a, a mythical people that made its way into the text, Ross.
1: Well, and and one other point you bring up in verse twenty eight. What kind of place are we going to? Our kinsmen have taken the heart out of us saying. So, Mm. so the indication in verse 28 in our canonical Deuteronomy is these, who are these people, our kinsmen who've taken their heart? Well, interestingly enough, that's covered in chapter one of Deuteronomy, verse 22 through 25. There's a story there. It's a well-known story. And it Mm -hmm. says that, that there were spies. We call them spies and and if you look at verse 22, notice notice this story begins. Moses says this, according to the text, Then all of you came to me, so the people come to Moses, let's get this straight, and said, mm. let us send men ahead to reconnoiter the land for us and bring back word on the route we shall follow and the cities we shall come to. And Moses says in verse 23, I approved of the plan. And so I selected 12 of your men, one from each tribe. They made for the hill country, came to the Wadi Eshkol, spied it out. They took some of the fruit of the land with them, brought it back to us, and they gave us this report. It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. And then we pick up where you just read. The question is, why does it... So let's get this straight. According to Deuteronomy, the people go to Moses and say, let us send men to spy out the land correct? Mm-hmm. Moses says he approved the plan, and then he put it back on them uh, after he says, I selected 12 men, one from each tribe. The problem is, Jono, that we mm-hmm. have another account of this spy story, and it doesn't... Numbers go- chapter 14. It It begins in Numbers 13 and goes mm-hmm. through 14. So look at chapter 13, and people might want to hold their hand in Deuteronomy 1, but how does 13.1 uh, begin? So it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men
0: to scout out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelite people. Send one man from each of their ancestral tribes, one uh, each one a chieftain among them.
1: All right, now I'm going to go back and check that against uh, Deuteronomy 1. Then all of you come to me, came to me and said, let us send men ahead to reconnoiter the land and bring back word mm-hmm. and so forth. So there is a difference there. We have to ask the que- it begs the question, which one of these reflects or can they be reconciled? Because in Deuteronomy chapter 1, the people go to him and, and he approves their plan. But in Numbers mm-hmm. thirteen, it's the Lord's plan. Mm. I mean, that to me is is sort of significant. And of course, then we have uh, the entire story. If you go through uh, chapter thirteen and chapter fourteen of the book of Numbers, you come up with some pretty significant differences. Uh, and then, if you go back to the Moses scroll, they're not in trouble because spies brought back a message and took their heart away, they're in trouble because of the command was given, go up and possess the land, and they were unwilling to do it.
0: They were unwilling to do it, and that is why they're in trouble, absolutely. And it's very clear about that in the Moses scroll. Yeah,
1: it's it, to me it's very interesting. Now, there are significant things as you work through, I would encourage people uh, sort of as a takeaway from this discussion. Read Deuteronomy, the account of the spies, closely, carefully, without Jonah and Ross talking in your ear. Read Numbers chapter 13 and 14, and take notes. Where do mm. they go? Uh, what happens? Now, what is interesting, though, is that in the Moses scroll, we pick up, it, it. basically the people were unwilling to go up towards the end of fragment A. They said that God hated them that he wanted to exterminate them and then god is angered and he swore saying as i live surely all mm. the people who've seen my son no mention of the spies whatsoever as i live that's a fascinating thing where else does does it say as i live that is like a, in the in the tanakh in the tanakh it is used uh, several times i have an article that that is talking about swearing in the name chai ani chai ani um this phrase, "as I live," is an oath. It's part of an oath. Mm. And uh, do we have those recorded in the Moses Scroll? Every occurrence of that, uh, I,
0: I, I we, don't think we so may. Much. I don't. I don't have it in front of me. But the interesting thing about it is that um, the the Moses Scroll uh, up until this point has been represented in patches of Deuteronomy, and then all of a sudden it breaks from Deuteronomy, and we find the Moses Scroll patches of the, of the Moses Scroll being represented in numbers chapter uh, 14 That's right. So numbers chapter 14 verse 21 Nevertheless as I live as the Lord's presence fills the whole world none of the men who have seen my my presence and the signs that I have performed in Egypt in the wilderness And and who have tried me these many times, or these ten times in in other translations, and have disobeyed me, uh, shall see the land that I promised on oath to their fathers. None of those who spurn me shall see it, uh, verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he was imbued with a different spirit and remained loyal to me. Him I will bring into the land uh, that he entered, and his offspring shall hold it as a possession."
1: Look at 14:28. Did you just read that and I missed it?
0: Uh 28 says, "Say to them, as I live says the Lord, I will do to you just as you have urged me." Uh, in this very wilderness you shall. So you have
1: as I live again there. Yeah, know? that's that's what I wanted to bring in. So you're you're right to note that we do have a reading in the Moses scroll that is from the story of the spies if you will. Uh, and this phrase "chai ani" is used twi- only twice in mm-hmm. in the Pentateuch in Numbers 14, 21, and twenty eight. Now it does is that appear right? That's later. That's the only place, yeah. the only place okay. in the Pentateuch it the occurs okay. twenty two times in the Hebrew Bible, and those references are primarily in the Prophets. Um, interesting. Yep. Yeah. So very interesting. Yep. Yeah.
0: Okay, so so again, what we have is uh, Numbers chapter fourteen, verses twenty-one and twenty-three. A. Uh, this is the the Jewish numbering. I don't know if it's different in a Christian Bible, but uh, and then it jumps, Ross. It jumps to thirty B, uh, verse thirty B, and that says. Um, now, the interesting thing about about the jump here. Let me read it first. And I'll okay. Say, uh, it says, uh, not one of them. One of them shall enter the land which I swore to set settle you save Caleb, uh, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun, your children, uh, who you said would would be carried, it goes into verse 31, but 30 there uh, seems to be lifted from the Moses scroll. And the reason why that's interesting is because the previous verses only talks about Caleb. It says in verse 24, Mm. you know, none shall see it except for Caleb because he was, you know, he he did this, he did that, and you have all this text. Then we get to um, uh, verse 30 and it says no one will enter it except for Caleb, the son of Yefunah, and Joshua, uh, bin Noon, uh, which concurs with the uh, Moses Scroll thought so far.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. That's always been a, a bit of a puzzle because in in 14, as you just mentioned it, it seems to only have Caleb in mind. You know, it goes into a lot of detail, and then it's almost like verse 30 sort of mentions, oh yeah, in Joshua too. So I've always mm. found that interesting. Yeah, so- Mm-hmm. And that's the
0: part that is represented, which, which seems to be literal from the Moses scroll. Then verse 33, while your children roam the wilderness for 40 years, well, we don't have 40 years, I don't think, but you, well, your children roam the wilderness uh, for 40 years, suffering for your faithlessness uh, until the last of your carcasses is uh, down in the wilderness. And um, so it's basically saying you guys, you guys are going to die in the wilderness as you wish. You don't want to go up like I told you to right. do. Fine, right. don't go yeah. up. You can live here, I don't mind. You can live here until your last days, and then your children uh, will take it. They and Caleb and Joshua. Ross?
1: Yeah, I, I think that this is an interesting... Um, it, it's So it's it takes away from this idea. Some people think that, and, and they, they don't know a lot about the, the manuscript, the Moses Scroll, what we call the Moses Scroll. They think it's all about Deuteronomy. But one of the things that we find when we work through this text is... There are readings in Deuteronomy that are not in the Moses scroll, and there are readings in the Moses scroll that are found elsewhere in the Pentateuch. So, for instance, this particular Mm. story seems to have some elements uh, that are found in other books of the Pentateuch. But what is interesting Mm is is that in two cases that we've talked about tonight, the thing that is missing in the Moses scroll, or let me put it this way, the thing that the Moses scroll does not have in it are the two things in these opening stories that are conflicting within the Pentateuch. So we have the first one we talked about, just to recap, was the setting up of a distribution of leadership. Uh, according to uh, Deuteronomy chapter one, it's one way if you look at the the, uh, the similar story in Exodus 18, it's another way. And then in this case, we have the story of the spies. And the spies are lacking, as are this setting up of leadership. The question becomes, like some might say, well, the Moses scroll edited that out. The question back to those people would be, edited what out? In other Mm. words, if we have a gap, like if I were just reading the Moses scroll, I would say, what has caused God's anger and what sets Caleb and Joshua apart? Those are the two things Mm. that I would have. Well, Mm. the first one to the first question, what angers God is their unwillingness to go in and possess As he commanded them. Now, Mm. for the second part, I would say, well, why Caleb and Joshua? Well, in the Moses Scroll, we don't really get that answer, do we? No, no, we don't. It's almost, though, if you read it, you say, well, I need a story to go there. And and in both cases that we just mentioned that the Moses Scroll doesn't have in it, there are conflicting data points. There are conflicting ideas in the Pentateuch. Mm. That's just... The main thing I wanted to bring up, whose idea was it to uh, send the spies, uh, and, and whose idea was it to set up this leadership, uh, distribution of leadership as we get in the Pentateuch mm-hmm. in two places?
0: Now, another difference that I just want to highlight, uh, and I'm just going to read again from the, from the Moses scroll, scroll starting in eight, uh, A8, and Elohim was angered, and he swore saying, as I live... Surely, all the people who have seen, what did they see? They saw my signs and my wonders that mm. I did these 10 times. Mm-hmm. Signs and wonders. Now, what we have in uh, Numbers chapter 14, verse 21, just once again, it says, Nevertheless, as I live and as the Lord's presence fills the whole world, none of them have seen, what did they see here in Numbers? It says, seen my presence and the signs that I have performed in Egypt in the wilderness and who have tried me these 10 times.
1: So, uh, first of all, signs and wonders, Ross. Um, yeah, we that that phrase is interesting. In the Pentateuch, it only appears uh, in Deuteronomy. It only it, appears in Deuteronomy. Excellent, and they, that's in Deuteronomy
0: chapter four, verse thirty-four, six twenty-two. I want people to look this up when they get time. Right. Uh, Seven nineteen twenty-six eight twenty-nine three thirty-four eleven.
1: Are any of those verses in in the Moses Scroll? The answer is no. The answer is no. Oh, you did the research. (laughs) Good job. So that's one of those things. It's funny because academics have looked at the book of Deuteronomy. They've clearly identified that Deuteronomy uses different language than the rest of the Pentateuch. It uses different words, different phrases, and and they come up with all sorts of far-reaching conclusions based upon that. But one of Mm. the answers is... That the author of Deuteronomy, this phrase signs and wonders is a classic example, consistently uses uh, similar language with not only Deuteronomy, but other books in the Pentateuch. Mainly there mm-hmm. are six books and uh, and their theory, we're not going to get into this so much, but their theory is that the so-called Deuteronomist is the one who uh, wrote Deuteronomy and or edited it into its final form, as well as other books of the, the uh, Tanakh. Uh, we're not mm. going there. And by the way, let me just go ahead and bring up one of uh, WTL's mentioned in his note, one of the things that he mentioned, mm. is, is the idea that he doesn't assign or ascribe to JEPD, the so-called documentary hypothesis. Let me, let me just make clear to that point that we're not advocating JEPD, the documentary hypothesis. What we're doing is looking at some of the difficult text which led early scholars to come to that point. So we may not come to that conclusion that they did. We're just saying, here are some of the things that they noted. And one of those things is that Deuteronomy represented in the documentary hypothesis as D uses unique language. So here is an example Mm. that you just brought up, Jono. Of all the text in the Pentateuch, only Deuteronomy uses the phrase signs and portents. So the question is why? What led the scholars to come up with a different author wrote this book? Um, but, But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. But it's so we only have one occurrence in the Moses scroll is this right Jono? Uh,
0: I I uh, do believe so we have one occurrence in the in the Moses scroll of signs and wonders uh it's that that piece of uh text is represented um loosely in numbers chapter 14 from 21 to 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 23 Uh, verse 30b and verse 33b. And nevertheless, signs and wonders is distorted in in the text in numbers. Uh, The phrase appearing one, two, three, four, five, six times in Deuteronomy, none of those times are derived from the Moses scroll. Further to that, Ross, these 10 times, uh, it's interesting in this case, these 10 times pertain to signs and wonders shown to them, rather than the amount of times that that the Israelites, quote, tried Elohim, as is recorded in Numbers chapter 14, verse 22. Did I make Uh, that
1: clear? Yeah, I think so. So what you're saying is, in Numbers chapter 14, there is an allusion to 10 times, but there, it's to 10 times that they've been rebellious against God, basically. Is that right? That's right. 10 times they have tried him, as opposed to uh, uh, these
0: uh, signs and wonders that he has shown them these ten times uh-huh. in the Moses scroll uh, interesting. Now that that's that is interesting because is, one might ask himself the question Well, what are those what are those ten signs and, and, and it might lead someone to uh, tell a story such as the uh, Ten plagues of Egypt for example Interesting um, or maybe in fact that's what they were. I mean that it, it, it is interesting, but um, that's where we get that from uh, and once again also uh, have not listened to my voice Uh, There's the emphasis again on uh, God saying they have, you know, I spoke to them, they're not doing what they're told. So, sure, if you don't want to get, you don't want to move into this land that I'm giving to you, you can, you can live out here in the
1: desert. Yeah. Enjoy. Now, one question for you, and we may pick this up next week, but there is a very interesting, um, difference in the text here, at least as the transcribers debated a certain reading. And you'll notice in the Moses scroll in A8, towards the end of that verse, and Elohim was angered. Now, I Mm -hmm. think I think that we pick up there because one thing that was reported widely in 1883 was this interesting reading that the transcriber, Christian David Ginsburg published in the oh, yeah. Athenaeum. He said, he translated this, instead of, and Elohim was angered, he said that the text before him said, and he, meaning Elohim. Committed Mm. adultery. Mm. Now, how in the world would you get and he committed adultery instead of and he angered? Which I think is something that will make them think about until next week what do you think John uh, you're
0: gonna to have to dig into the Hebrew to uh, to figure that one out because yeah that that is that is a really fascinating one it only gets more exciting dear listeners love to hear your comments please leave them in the uh, in the bottom in the comment section of this post and we will be uh, getting to those as well and until then dear listeners have a great one have a beautiful week